Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Before we get into the show, I just want to let you know about our sponsor. It's a film called Sir John A. and the Curse of the Antiquenched. It's a fun comedy. stars John Dunsworth from Trailer Park Boys, Spenny from Kenny vs. Spenny, and the Deaner from FUBAR. It's about two brothers that save their city from demons by staying drunk. You can get it on Vimeo On Demand right now, or you can check it out on Amazon Prime in the States. Check out CurseTheAntiquenched.com for more info. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Welcome to the Raiders of the Lost Commentary Podcast. Welcome to Jurassic Park. The unofficial commentary for your favorite... Get to the chopper! ...and not-so-favorite films. The famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. Starring your hosts, Adam and Matt. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Start your movie... In three, two, one. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, this week on the podcast, we have another special guest. I'm joined by Peter Hatch. Uh, Peter Hatch is with a producer, director, filmmaker, and uh, he runs the YouTube channel Deformed Lunchbox. If you're not familiar with them, I highly suggest you head over to YouTube right now. Check out some of the short films. One of my favorites was uh, Make Me a Sandwich. It was phenomenal. So today on the show, we have Peter. Peter, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on your show, Adam. Yeah, of course. So um, we worked together a number of years ago on a short film with another guest of the show, actually, Travis Laidlaw. It was Fist Plus Plus Face, Fist Plus Face. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a lot of fun. And and I had a great time with everybody on set. And uh, recently, Travis was like, oh, have you seen uh, what Peter's been up to? He's been doing this YouTube channel and like they're having some success. And I was like, no. And then I went to YouTube and checked out a bunch of your stuff. And then I was like, this is amazing. And then obviously just wanted to get in touch and chit chat about uh, what you guys have been doing on the channel. So I um, thought maybe just talk about like where you guys got the idea to start the channel and like just where it all what it all began. Um, well, the idea, I would say, kind of found us because uh, I'd already made I mean, like Travis, I was kind of just making short films uh, and they would kind of all fallen into the same category of kind of horror, kind of weird, kind of strange comedies. Um, so it just kind of, I guess I kind of looked back on the movies I'd been making and I was like, wow, I should probably put this all somewhere. And it just kind of happened organically like that. It wasn't just, there wasn't like an apex moment that it happened, you know? That's always the way, eh? You just sort of stumble into some things sometimes. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a, uh, like a, a, an older camera operator tell me a long time ago, he goes, you know, you can't find your style, your style has to find you. So mm. he's like, just, just get out there and make stuff that you enjoy and you want to make and do it through your intuition. And then like only after doing it for so long, are you going to figure out like, no, like, this is the kind of thing I make. And I think now for me, I'm now starting to look even deeper and like, what kind of horror films am I making? What kind of what kind of movie am I making in this genre? So you even get deeper and deeper, you know? Yeah, the genre within the genre, it, it, that sort of seems to be something that's happening a lot more recently. I don't know if it's recent or I'm just maybe discovering it now, but it does seem like, like it's like horror is maybe like the underlying theme, but then there's other themes going on within films. And I, I find myself more drawn towards those types of stories personally. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think in the last few years, the the genre, the horror genre, has exploded, uh, and it, and like you said, like these sub genres are now becoming like so popular. Like, you could even say comedy horror is its own sub genre, or found footage is its own sub genre. Um, and there's also, I'm sure you've seen some of these movies, like from like Ari Aster and uh, Robert Eggers. 
I have uh, not, like, but I should look that up after. Yeah, like check out like Hereditary. And oh Midsommar. yeah, okay, yeah, I've seen that. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, like The Witch and and Lighthouse, and it's like these um, more like art house horror films that are more like they do kind of scratch at those themes and those deeper, deeper themes, deeper connections. They're not just slashers. They're not really funny. Um, so I don't know. I just I love the genre. I think there's tons to tons to explore with it. Definitely, definitely. So. Uh, with like the channel itself, like how many films did you guys have made before you started releasing it on there? Did you find success like right away or did it take a bit of time? Like what was sort of the, the spark that like you guys are like, oh, I'm, we're going to start like releasing a lot more content on, on um, YouTube? Well, it's kind of it, it started off by the, making the film The Toothbrush One. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, and it was just me and one friend. And I'm basically just brushing my teeth and then brushing them till they bleed and all the teeth fall out. You. Uh, so it was very, very macabre. But um, after that one, people, I mean, it didn't like blow up or anything. We just kind of threw it on a YouTube channel, called it something, which ended up being Deformed Lunchbox. And then people were kind of like, oh, we want to see more. We want to see more, like do more, more of these types of shorts. So we started to do a couple more every few months or so. And then I realized I had done all these films before uh i mean like well before like 10 years ago even and I, I was like okay well let me recolor those and post those as well and i think now we're at about 30 30 to 40 short films and we have a couple things like um like we have a couple like uh fake we do a, like these fake trailer edits where we'll like at we'll like you know put jason against batman or michael myers and x files and like we'll kind yeah. of do these kind of fan trailer things um yeah, we've got about maybe 40 or 50 videos on on YouTube and on other platforms as well. That's uh, that's awesome, man. And I think like just the, the format you're doing, too, and, and just like, you know, a shorter film, like really short, you know. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of like you being successful on YouTube, at least I've seen from the stuff I've worked on on YouTube, you know, the shorter stuff works better. And then like you get into like a longer short film and it doesn't sometimes have a lot of success on YouTube might may have success elsewhere. Like in festivals, people are like more likely to, you know, be open to the idea of like sitting through nine minutes of a short film yeah. and get engaged in it. But like, it's hard to engage somebody on, on, on YouTube or like a, any type of social media platform. So I find like that format, like, uh, I don't know. I think it works well. Is that, is that a conscious decision you guys did or you just, just that's the um, shorts you guys wanted to make? I would say it started off just like with like budgetary concerns, right? It's like, I mean, I, I'm an editor first, so I always, I'm always kind of of the mindset of shorter is better in a weird way. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, imagine even a movie like Batman versus Superman, which has, it's not a great movie, but if you took the best moments and made like a 10 minute movie out of it, it'd be awesome, you know? Yeah. I think so, about 10 minutes of that are awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The trailer was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I got really uh, excited. Um, but I get, I think in, I just always figured, you know, if you had, let's say you have like, you know, $5,000 to make a movie, you either, you can either have a $5,000 one minute, like really jam packed, awesome minute, or you can spread that 5,000 over 10 minutes where every minute is like a little bit less. Yeah. So I think that was kind of always, my, that was like my original mindset. But, uh, now I've like, like, like you said, I've like really embraced this kind of, I call them micro shorts. Mm. Uh, where they're like under five minutes, sometimes even under one minute, uh, just like bite sized, almost like I, I kind of like, like to call deformed lunchbox, uh, like to say we're like tales from the crypt meets robot chicken. 
Okay. I like that. So, yes, (laughs) kind of like we're horror, but we've got this kind of comedy side. And we've also, we kind of focus on like just these quick little stories, these quick moments. Um, We don't get, we don't get too deep into the longer short films. Yeah. Um, I dig that, man. I I think that's awesome. You mentioned something just about budgetary constraints. And and I will say some some of the shorts do look like you guys spent a bit of money on them. I just wonder if you can talk a bit about like what goes into producing something like this. Like you guys start with like an idea and obviously and then is it like wait till you guys have a bit of money and then you're like okay we can go shoot this like bring me through a bit of the production and pre-production um well we always have like a ton of shorts written yeah that's um, fair so like right yeah like right now we've got way well over 50 of these kind of short shorts um and i think the hard thing is writing them and i'm sure i mean any any indie filmmaker will attest to this uh it's like you, you need to kind of write around what you know you can do. Mm. Um, like, you know, I, I, you can't just write in, you know, s- dinosaurs and space battles and things that, uh, if, unless you have the money to, or uh, the plan to make those kind of effects. Yeah. So, I mean, so in general, like, I mean, I'll even s- skimp it down even more from there. I'll think, okay, like I, do we, do we need to have on-screen dialogue or can it all be, can it have no, no dialogue? Cause that'll save money on sound. Uh, can we do it all in one location? Yeah. Uh, can we can we do it with one or two actors? So I think that's kind of like this this limiting factor is. I mean, I, I'm always someone who I, I like limitations when I write. Uh, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's like a creative creative limitations like that. I find almost help bring out more creativity. That's interesting. Tell me more about that. Um, I think I don't know. It's hard. To, it's just uh, you know, if I, for example, like my apartment where I'm living now, uh, like the last three or four short films have been shot here. So kind of when I, when I sit yeah. at home, I just look around the room and I think, what can I do here? Or what, which one of these short ideas we, that we have already can I adopt for this place? You know? Yeah, no, I, I get that. I do that sometimes too, like uh, traveling often enough. And I, I go in a lot of different locations and I'm like, ooh, this is an interesting spot. I wonder if they would let me film here, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to rent locations. I find, you know, um, just that that seems to be the biggest cost. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, well, is you're locations. in like the Toronto area, and like people there are a lot more film savvy, and they know kind of like movies come in and pay money for stuff, and then us indie guys kind of get caught in that like, oh, we can't afford this. We can't afford Hollywood dollars, right? Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things too where it's. It's easy to say, hey, man, we only need to, like, use your restaurant for, like, two hours. Yeah. But the thing that they often don't realize is, no, like, you know, if you want to do it right, you need to haul in equipment. You need a space for makeup. You need a space for, like, holding mm. talent. You need you need to bring all this gear. Like, you act, like I'm sure you, you know, it's like when you watch the movie, you don't realize that you need, like, all this extra space around the movie. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I always think – I'm always kind of like, you know, it's not really always just about – it's easy to think, yeah, we just need one table at a restaurant – but really, you're gonna to need to close that restaurant down. Uh, you're gonna to need to do all these other things. So it, it's tough. Locations are are like the biggest challenge I, I I have with these shorts. Yeah, I think locations in general are something that's that's a challenge. I know, like uh, personally, like I've lucked out a lot with locations and just having you know making relationships with people and friendships and kind of like just being friends with people i've been able to like get into a lot of locations that probably i shouldn't have gotten into and Mm -hmm. then also just 
just being bold enough to go places without asking, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, which gets you so far, but, uh, yeah, just sometimes I always say like, just asking, just asking and coming like hat in hand asking and seeing what happens. That's kind of like been my approach to a lot of things, uh, but, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. but you guys have got some interesting locations and, and I will say too, like the, uh, casting, as well like especially make me a sandwich like you guys got some great actors mm-hmm. in that short i just want to maybe if you could speak a bit about like what goes through the casting do you guys hold a normal casting are you paying actors are you just having are these like friends you guys know people you worked with before uh so we pay the actors um it's not a ton of money but it's usually an, uh enough I'll, I'll be transparent the way the way we the model we've been sticking to is paying them 150 per day plus 50 dollars for travel expense so they basically make 200 bucks a day and they make it they get it on the day. Okay. Uh, and then the other kind of guarantee I give them is that I mean, unless we're going for a festival run with the with the short, it's like I, I kind of guarantee them I'm like, well, this movie will be done and released within a month. That's so a big thing, eh? For a lot you... of actors, that's huge. Like they're they're so used to never seeing their movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've definitely like I've got garnered a lot of trust from people, at least them knowing like hey like maybe they don't make like a ton of money off this short or maybe sometimes it's not like ideal all the time filming times and wherever but they know it like i finish everything that i shoot and then it'll yeah. be out so like that yeah. i think that's something a lot of actors tell stories of this all the time at least the ones i've worked with to like yeah i worked on this thing and then never saw it again or like oh yeah they're still editing or Oh, the guy, some of the guy accidentally deleted something or just something, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny enough. I have a story. I I was hired by like a young film student to act in his movie like years ago. And I was playing the part of someone who had narcolepsy. So I kept falling asleep (laughs) and it required me to like, you know, to take dives basically. Like I would fall into the floor. I would fall into doors. I would, we did a bunch of takes my face falling into a bowl of cereal uh, and I, I actually thought it was really like funny, even though, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's offensive to people of narcolepsy. I don't know, but I, I like, you know, I got really into it and I took it very seriously Yeah. and then just never came out. And finally I even messaged the director or, uh, and I said, give me the footage. I'll edit the movie. You know, I was, yeah. so, I was like, I will do all your posts for free. Just let me release this movie that I'm in. And, and then he kind of got wishy-washy. And I think, like you said, they, they probably lost the hard drive and he just moved, you know, he's film school. He's moving on to the next term, next project. And I think on that day I got, I got, I got so frustrated. I was like, well, I'll never do that to somebody. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, and I would almost, I, I don't remember how I said it to him. I said, man, you know, you, I spent two days on your movie. Like, you know, I feel like you kind of waste my time. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully he still has guilt about that to this day, mm, but <laughs> let's hope, <laughs> let's hope he loses sleep still to this day about it. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, quite opposite that. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I definitely will not opposite, I guess, in that vein, like stuff that like remains unfinished um, or just unreleased or, or has just some sort of like edge on it. Like that holds over me so much. And I like I have um, I don't have many things like this, but just like small little tiny things that I'm like, that'll haunt me to this day, like an yeah. unreleased thing or like something where I'm like, ah, I didn't get that to the 100 percent like I wanted it to like I'll I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking about stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like, so do you edit as well, Adam? Oh yeah. I, uh, like I, I kind of consider myself one man band. Like sometimes I'm doing everything on set, like yeah. from yeah. camera operating, DPing, 
checking sound, you know, yeah, doing it all. I mean, the one, the one thing I will say, if you, I mean, from editor to editor is that, um, there will almost always be something in a movie, at least for me that I feel like I could have changed. Mm. Uh, and like, I used to get really bothered by that. Like I'd be really bothered if a movie came out and it got released. And then there was something about it that I wished I had changed. And sometimes it's as simple as I wish I had taken two frames off that cut mm. and just cut two frames sooner. Uh, and it, it like, it'll bother me. And I'll like, I used to like watch the moment over and over again, like OCD. <laughs> uh, but I went to some, I went to some like editor forums and I talked about it and they, and a lot of the editors there are like, no, like it's just part of the part of it. Like don't lose sleep. Like you got 95% of the way there. Like that last 5% is so subjective. It's so internalized. People don't notice um, it. People don't notice it. And you know, now I'll watch like even big feature films and I'll notice things in the movie that I would say, Oh, I wonder if the editor was bothered by that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, they probably uh, were, probably were, you know, but so I just don't, I guess, you know, I try not to lose too much sleep over that story I think is key. Yeah. And that's, um, and that's the most important thing. I find the other thing that that's difficult is, just changing hats for me like i'm i go on set and i want all these shots and then you know you might spend a ton of time setting up a shot and getting something and executing it and be like yeah we got it but you get in the edit you're like ah, it doesn't work we have to get rid of it oh yeah <laughs> this other thing we spent 10 seconds on actually looks and works better yeah and you have to be like yeah i guess we have to cut that shot or whatever that scene that that thing we did you know yeah, I mean, I think that's part of being a good editor, right? Uh, is having the discipline to like get rid of the shots you know took a long time, mm. uh, or or you know, being able to make those hard calls, or even like uh, something that costs money. And, and I wonder if you could, you could talk a bit about this. Just like you guys have some great special effects in this, like practical special effects, and like I find myself like struggling, like oh, I spent money on this. Should I leave it in the film if it's a even if it's like to a detriment but i'm like you know you spent money on it but like it looks like you guys spent some money on some of these practical effects i wonder if you could talk a bit about that and what goes well, into the, those. The, the first thing i'll say to that effect is if, if there is something in the movie that costs money like let's say it's a prop or a, a makeup or something um i will try to shoot that first mm. or at the very least i will try to set a very generous time time frame for it um, like for example, uh, I mean, for make me a sandwich and spoiler, there's a skeleton in the movie. Um, we did that scene first. Oh, so we okay. spent, yeah. Like we, the very first thing we shot was that. So we had, you know, prepped the room. We had set it all up. We had like spent, you know, a, a long time on it, like maybe two hours just to get every, you know, sandwich with the right amount of mold and, you know, and then light it right and get the TV flickering. And it, you know, it was a major shot. So we, we put a good four hours in our schedule for that one moment. Yeah. And it's a great shot. Like, like Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I wonder if you can talk just like, do you guys, are you guys making your own props like that? Are you hiring out for that? Uh, it depends. Um, for make me a sandwich, we had a production designer who kind of worked with me on on the the skeleton and setting that up, and she was great. Um, and then on some of our more recent movies, uh, I, I have a makeup artist come out. Um, but it depends. Like I don't know if you saw the movie we did Toast. Mm -hmm. um, so that one, all the effects in that were just kind of like like done by us. Like there was no makeup, there was no special effects team, there was no not even an art art department. Um, and we just kind of makeshifted it and I have like a little por portion of my apartment set up that I call like my, my lab. And, um, 
I'll kind of like leading up to the the week or week two weeks before a short, like I'll like I'll kind of be like my area to, you know, take apart toasters or figure out how to like make something and and get it set up. Like even something like the last short we released called Sharpener, um, where she's opening a gift. It's like okay, well, how are we going to wrap this gift? Like how do we wrap it so she can open it to camera properly? And, you know, we're practicing it and we're like finding where the seam is and we're rehearsing with her where the seam is. And um, I, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you're making a movie, you need to have something like special in front of the camera. Mm, yeah. Uh, I always cringe a bit when something is just very dialogue heavy, especially for like a short film, especially a horror. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. Just, just because, I mean, sure, it's could have the best dialogue in the world, but um you know, it's just nice to have something a little more extraordinary that you're showing people. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, like to, I think about like, I, I've gone both ways. I've got done dialogue heavy things that are comedy. And then I've done, I've my, one of my more recent shorts that's done like a few festival things has zero dialogue. And, mm-hmm. uh, but like that's been able to screen like worldwide because of that. Cause there is yeah. no talking like every, audiences everywhere will, will understand what's going on, you know? Yeah, I mean that—that's something we try to do a lot. Where we we try to make a number of shorts that have no no uh, dialogue, just because. I mean, the, especially the genre, the horror genre is so popular worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very popular in Asia and it's very popular in South America. Like we have a huge following in Brazil. So oh really? Yeah. So now uh, um, we will translate all of our. We'll get closed captionings for every movie we do. Um, for a bunch of countries and it's, it's not super cheap, but, um, it is nice to do something like our film toast where it had no, no dialogue. Uh, and it's, it's just funny seeing, you know, like some Czechoslovakian YouTube channel, like do a reaction to it. You have no idea what they're saying, but you're just like, wow, (laughs) like it's just cool to know that, um, something translates, you know, to like such a different culture. Yeah. No, that's, I find that's like one of the more amazing things about making movies is that you can put it out in the world and somebody, far far away watches it and like gets something out of it or reacts to it i think like it's it's like the best feeling i get from making stuff totally totally and i think that's why like when we when we wrap on a shoot i'm like super stoked to just edit it and show people like i just can't Mm. wait for people to get the uh, reaction from it yeah i feel Um, the same way like i want to be in my favorite thing is to be in that theater and then like the lights go down and then like it starts playing like i love that i like i I'm trying to like every time like something gets hard, I'm like, think of that day when we're going to get to show it, you know? Yeah. You know what, though? Every time I've been to a film festival, I don't know why I get so incredibly nervous. I get nervous, uh, too, but I, I usually drink sweat. a lot. So that like evens it out. That helps. I, I know. I'm just worried. I'm just like worried something like the transfer went wrong. Do you know what I mean? And there'll be like oh. one one frame where there's like something off and I'll, I'll just like my hands will sweat. <laughs> like, Dude, I don't know. It's- <laughs> I had this problem in in Hamilton. I uh, I screened a short at the Hamilton Film Festival. I don't care. I'll put them on blast. They screwed up, but uh, like it's theater. Theater's packed. Lights go down. Our short screens first, and then I'm like, oh, something's wrong. And then it's like zoomed in like two hundred percent. I was like, oh, oh, there's something wrong with the projector. We're like a handful of us are saying it out loud, and then. Uh, some people are like telling us to shh, but then one guy is like, Oh, is that your short? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, Did you submit 4K? And then I was like, Yeah. And then you heard like an audible groan from the other filmmakers that submitted 4K in the thing. They're like, No. And then they just, they wouldn't fix it. They just screened the whole block of shorts. Yeah, but that, that's like on the short. That's like, that's on the festival, man. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I, I, I won't 
won't call out the festival, but I, I something similar happened to me where I sent in a, like a DCP for projecting, and um, they like kind of cropped the edging a little bit no. uh, instead of letterboxing it. And you know, I had high, it was one of those festivals where like they had the service of saying, "Hey, we'll we'll charge you a hundred bucks and do the DCP for you." So I did that, uh, and they still screwed it up. Oh no! Luckily, it wasn't it wasn't so far zoomed in that like no one noticed it. But for me, I was like, oh, that's not the original frame. Like we were a little wider. Like we lost some headroom on the yeah. actor. <laughs> so, yeah, that's again, tough. It's, it, it's frustrating, but I mean, I've also been to uh, like the actual movie theaters and seen like a big. I think it was Aquaman that I saw, where like the first ten minutes it just had no sound. And like oh, really? people started walking out, and then like all of a sudden the sound just came on, and it was like, well, do I re- do I leave because I've, you know, I I've, the first ten minutes had no sound. <laughs> like, are you gonna restart it? Like, so I don't know. It's it a, definitely it's a thing. It's it definitely thing. happens, but it's like it's frustrating when it does happen to you. Like some of the people's shorts, it wasn't as bad, but the short we made, we shot it like two four one, and so all the action things were happening in the corners of the screens. Oh, dang. And so all you just saw was blank. <laughs> just blank in the middle of the screen. Dang. I mean, it's kind of a funny story, though, right? In retrospect. Now it is. Now it is, yeah. But uh, at the time, we were we were a little pissed. Um, yeah. But these things happen. The other thing, like, with festivals and, and uh, like, you know, you go to these different festivals and some of them are great and then some of them, it's like amateur hour with projection or, or even just the sound. You're like, I paid, like, a good amount of money for this mix and somehow you made it sound like shit. Like, yeah, I, yes, I think it's just the speaker systems in some of those smaller theaters. Yeah. Um, but I mean, festivals, it's weird. Festivals. We can talk about that for a second. Yeah. I wanted to get your take on, I have like mixed feelings about festivals. I, I feel like the, the whole landscape for festivals has changed in the last, uh, I mean, obviously in the last year over COVID, mm-hmm. but even over the last like four or five years, um, I mean, there's a lot of great festivals, but I think a lot of them are scams. Oh, um, 100%. And I mean, I had, I worked on a documentary a few years ago. We got into this kind of animal animal uh, style uh, film festival. And they basically, once we got in it, they, they extorted the producer and said, you need to buy advertising in our in our schedule or we're gonna, like going to pull your movie. And it was $500. Uh, Jesus. So, yeah. And I, That's I mean, extortion. Yeah, it totally was. And there's other more not as egregious examples. I, I don't know if you use Film Freeway. Definitely. Um, it's a great service, but I think they need to start cracking down on some of these festivals because a lot of them don't ever screen the movies. No. Uh, COVID, or, COVID or not, they basically they have a, a website that they'll just kind of post the in text what the winners are. And yeah. they're just raking in money. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on festivals right now. And, and – you know, that's why with us, like, you know, I, I'm more likely to make a short film and just release it right away. Cause yeah. I, um, for make me a sandwich, like we had a good festival run. Like we even got in the Toronto after dark festival, which I was really stoked about. That's amazing. But it's funny, like all the major opportunities that have come from the movie have been entirely from it's, uh, like it's online presence. That's interesting. Uh, like all this, all the, com- like it's being streamed on a few, a few platforms and it's being streamed in like Japanese airplanes or something. Uh, <laughs> and, and those are all people who reached out to me through seeing it online. That's amazing. So yeah, I, I don't, so like, it's amazing, but I just, it kind of just goes to show like, does this world of like, are you better off submitting to festivals? Are you better off putting it on, on line and just like maybe putting a little bit of a digital marketing effort into that short, which is a whole nother ball game and digital marketing. Yeah, um, totally. 
Yeah, I sort of feel like similar. Like I'm on the fence about stuff. Like I, I had success with one short in a bunch of festivals. And like aside from, you know, some reviews and just people saying nice things and we had like a short run on like this bloody disgusting sort of streaming thing. That's great. Bloody disgusting is great though. Yeah, they, yeah. that's yeah. that was a that was probably like the biggest thing that came out of the whole thing that that we were like, oh sweet. But like after that it was like, okay, well like we have all these laurels. And that's mm. all we really have to show for it. Like we didn't like none of the wins we got had any cash value or any prizes other than just winner, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm still proud of it. And like, it's still great that we won against other stuff. Um, and like, you know, I was able to travel with it, be, you know, I was able to go to Florida because mm-hmm. of the short and like screen it there and some other places. And, and it's that's definitely, cool. it's definitely fun. It's definitely a fun experience to go to the, like the festival run for a movie. But, I definitely like, agree. But like, uh, I'm trying to think of it like long term, like with like a feature or something like that. Like, what do you get out of it? And like, I don't know. I'm starting to like think like, kind of like take matters into your own hands. And like, festivals need to maybe be a little less strict on like, oh, you can't have this released elsewhere. Like, like we're kind of doing them a favor yeah. of showcasing a film at their festival and putting butts in seats and they're charging and, and paying to some just to submit it so even the movies that don't make it into the festival are paying exactly and then like some festivals yeah. are good about this but others don't do this like if you pack a theater in another town like they're all paying 20 bucks a head or something to be in that theater you don't like some festivals don't show you any of that money and like you know yeah like you filled it's, a theater like to, to you know to show Festival, off the film. It's a weird thing because it's kind of like a, it's like a win-win in a way because, you know, for the filmmaker, we're getting some sort of accreditation. We're getting to see on a big screen and, you know, we're still only having to pay what, 20, 30 bucks to submit. And then mm-hmm. the film festival gets all this free content to make, to profit off of a festival. Yeah. So it's just weird win-win thing. And even now with some of these festivals that are not, that I consider scams that just are websites, um, it's still like, you know, I'll see I'll see movies that like stack their laurels. So it's like, it looks like they've had like 30 laurels because they've been in so many of these, you know, festivals and the festival is happy because they get promotion from the filmmaker and the filmmaker is happy because he's getting a laurel on his film. So it's kind of this weird, like circular scam. I feel like that's, yeah, I guess like, to be honest, like I'm, I'm guilty of reciprocating some of that scam, right? Just same here over over the years. So, Hey, we wanted this festival, but if you look at the festival, it's only a website that is still at Wix website. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then, Uh, so it's like, yeah, I guess that's not like the biggest win of all time, but like, it's funny, like a win in one festival is sometimes less, amazing than just even an official selection in like a major festival like i feel like getting in toronto after dark like that's like a pretty well-known prestigious festival just the caliber of film that goes to that festival yeah you know it's kind of like oh pay attention to this now because of uh, because of that you know at the same time i think i mean you might relate to this too there was a time in my life where i thought you know if you get into a festival and your movie's it's like there'll be scouters there and those scouters will find you and they'll be like, hey, we want you to make a bigger movie. We want to give you money and like kind of like this illusion that uh, film festivals would like oh, pave the way to this much brighter future. I think it used to be like that, but now I don't think it's like that at all. I don't think it's like that at all anymore, especially with like YouTube and everything. Uh, now it's more like, OK, it got into some festivals. It's a nice accolade on your, you know, on your 
spec sheet or on your, you know, on your pitch or when you're talking or on your bio, you can mention it, but it's, yeah. it's still gotta be you knocking on that door and saying, Hey, this is why you should yeah. support my project because I've been in these festivals. They're yeah. not going to find us, you know, or I've found it's just like people that have some of these success, like getting, you know, larger movies, like getting that offer. It's either they just lucked out at the right time or they just knew somebody like, as we know in this business, a lot of it's just like who, you know, yeah. And I, and I don't doubt that, like, you know, for example, Ari Aster, who did Hereditary, like he did a short film um, called There's Something Wrong with the Johnsons, I think. Okay. Um, it's a really good, like, it's a 30 minute short. Um, but I even still, I mean, I don't know if that short paved the way for him getting the funding for Hereditary, but certainly by the time he got in that meeting, he had the script ready. You know, yeah, like, that's eh? the key. It's, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's about having that project already in your pocket yeah fair more enough. so than waiting for someone to say hey man you're a great director and filmmaker like let me like let me give you money to make something like let me just write you this blank check now go create something yeah i think it's got to be a little more of like hey we really liked your movie and it's like well i have another movie i'd like to make do you want to talk about it here's the script yeah um, i think you got to have that like ready to go like like you said like have 50 shorts written and ready or have like a handful of scripts or just even just a pitch sheet ready for it you know yeah I mean, um, it's always, it feels like in, in film, it's always like on to the next one. I don't know if you have that kind of feeling. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Always. Uh, it's like a never end. And now, uh, it's almost like it's treated just like content. Right. So mm. I think that's kind of been the big paradigm shift as well, where it's, you know, one magnificent short film is still just one short film. And, you know, we're living in an era where like people, choose their streaming app based on like what collection of movies are on there. Like no, no one's just going to buy the singular movie anymore. That's unless you're true. A yeah. Big Blu-ray collector. Right. Um, so we're almost like we're treating movies like it's like this widespread content versus like individual pieces of art. Yeah. Um, which that's, is, it is what it is. Right? Yeah. Well, that's what's sort of interesting about like uh, specific streaming services like shutter or, or something like that. Right. Where they're just like, Hey, we're just horror and we're just this sort of, lane of horror and you come to here for for this specifically you know or like bloody disgusting is doing you know hey you come to this streaming thing just for for this specifically yeah i think that's kind of the, i think that's where we're at right now and uh that, i think that's why kind of focusing in on what we're doing with deform lunchbox has helped because it's like no we're not a short film channel we're not just a you it's not peter's youtube channel it's a channel <laughs> where you go to watch short horror films yeah um and i mean even so and i've even kind of tried to make it more specific like this is the, the channel you go to to watch short horror films that might have a little bit of comedy they're a little bit psychological like we don't do you know too many things with witches and zombies like we're we try to separate even let's trying to separate even still from the genre so i think the more specified people are these days the better in a weird way like if someone's like hey man i just make movies about you know birds and right. my channel is all bird movies and they're going to dub voices for birds and stuff like all of a sudden it's kind of becomes its own quirky thing. Yeah, no. Then, uh, yeah, that's that's very it's very good point. Um, if you guys made like a feature, say, would you consider just releasing it on your channel or would you go more traditional route? Well, my understanding is if I got the funding to make a feature, I would already need to have a distributor lined up. Yeah. So I enough. don't think I'd have the option. Um, with that said though, one of the things that we're trying to get off the ground is actually like an anthology feature 
or an anthology series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it'd be kind of like what we're already doing. Uh, where it's like you're just going to get, you know, 10 micro shorts in a 22-minute episode. Yeah, that'd be so great, that, man. That, that is something we're trying to do. We're trying to, like, I, for a long time in my mind, I was like, oh, do a great, do a bunch of great shorts, and then that'll lead the way to a feature. And, you know, after so many years now, I'm, I'm just kind of of the opinion, no, I love doing these micro shorts. I love the format. I think there's lots to explore with it. Uh, I think people have low attention spans and like the format. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, why don't we try to just make this a thing? Um, and I think it'd just be really cool, you know, being in Canada, we could bring on, you know, guest directors, we could bring on guest writers, we could include tons of different actors, bring on different cinematographers, like it'd be like a, uh, anthology of different Canadians working on this, you know, that's a great idea, man. And I think yeah. that's, that is in and of itself a niche. And I think now that you guys have a bit of a platform, even just to promote it, is is really a, a neat thing and I, I don't know i think that's a great idea i think it goes back to something you were saying earlier about what that uh you know veteran camera operator told you, you like you find that kind of stuff along the way like it doesn't find you you know yeah. you would have never set out to, to to make this but now that you're here it's kind of like it's everything seems so clear now you know totally yeah we're like before i mean when i was in film school it was just like hey let's like let's make a short film that'll scare people and, and mess with their heads yeah and like now years and years later you're like well i've done a bunch of those types of movies yeah. now yeah no fair. Um, let's try to turn it into to something you know and i i mean i'd love to get that kind of collaborative thing going where you know we can almost kind of make a name for canadian horror I, um, uh, yeah, I agree. Like a lot of the stuff that gets funded in Canada, I spoke with somebody else about this, but like, um, a lot of stuff that gets funded in Canada is, you know, not representative of what the majority of Canadians watch, you know? Oh yeah, I agree. Um, um which is its own thing about like how funding gets, you know, put out in the country and, and like all the other, you know, red tape stuff with like Hollywood movies coming in and, you know, taking some of the funding that way. But like uh, the majority of like, Canadians the majority of Canadians watch genre pictures and yeah. like that's what's purchased the most and but like it's the least funded by traditional means of funding through you know grants and things like that well I think the major difference is that in Canada our movie funding comes from like government basically comes from our government uh, yeah. whether it's telefilm or Ontario Media Arts Council and I know even it used to be like Bravo Fact and Much Fact before they went away yeah. would give grants for music videos and shorts and that would turn into a tax credit for the for Bell. Yeah. Um it's kind of a scam, but uh, a little bit. <laughs> kind of a scam. Uh you know, <laughs> shh, don't tell anybody cuz yeah. you know, but I so I I am I've almost kind of like embracing horror have almost a little bit given up on the Canadian system of grants. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. Don't, I mean, in the States years ago. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. Many years ago, but like in the States, like their funding doesn't come from their government. It comes from no. these big studios. So I think the, on the positive side of that is nowadays with things like shutter, with things like Netflix, uh, and these streaming apps. Now we've kind of opened the door for other options of, of content funding and creation where we don't, so, I mean, hopefully, hopefully that materializes into something. Yeah. Um, you know what I see? You're too? right. Yeah. I, I see, like, uh, for at least the indie lane, this is just my own personal opinion, and I base it on very little evidence, but uh, I think the AVOD system is more, is going to be something 
for indie filmmakers like a Tubi or or like you're you're doing on YouTube. Like people are probably more likely to watch an indie film and take a chance instead of spending whatever four ninety nine ninety nine ninety nine. They're more likely to watch it and watch an ad or two in between. You know what I mean? Yep. No cost um, to them. They take a chance on your short. You may not make as much on that, but like if you get decent advertising, you know, splits and stuff like that, you maybe well, make, you know, a buck or two, which is like with some honestly with the some of the movies I've done and like the back end deals that go on, you end up making a dollar anyways off a of sale. Yeah. Totally. Um I don't know though, because the way it kind of works now, I mean, even with Make Me a Sandwich which is just a short film and we've got we've got like over 2.5 million views on YouTube, over a million on Facebook, uh, and there's millions of more on the reaction channels like even still like we've just barely broken even on it. Yeah. Eh? So none of the other shorts have made any money back. Like they've all, like I can say Make Me a Sandwich is the only movie that only like now has made its money back. Yeah. Um so and even still I don't really think it has if I cuz I'm 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 factoring that I worked on it for free. You know what I mean? And right, yeah. The hard drives and the festival submissions. So um, I think maybe in the future that's possible, but I don't know. Like I know Vimeo, for example, like you can put a feature film on Vimeo and charge people a rental cost. And I had a movie on a documentary on there a while ago and it didn't make much money. I, I don't know. Like I, I agree that I think like I would rather go to the movie theaters and, and watch a few ads and pay less money or have in the middle break it into ads or have, you know, banner ads on the side of the movie to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there is something that's that like if I, for example, on Shudder, I recently watched the movie The Dark and the Wicked. Have you seen this? movie? No, I haven't. It's it's awesome. Um, it's very scary. But I think there's some element where I, I see, OK, well, Shudder's promoting this movie like it's being curated, you know, mm. where on YouTube there's so much stuff right like there's just it's it's like there's so many horror shorts and and some of them are made by 10 year olds yeah uh you know so it's kind of like nice sometimes to feel like okay well at least there's this place where i can watch curated content where it's like it's the movie that has risen to the top that's a good point curated content Uh, though that's that is very specific it is very specific yeah and i also i mean just the thought of making a horror movie and just putting it online like a full feature i mean i I had a friend do it and is you know without the budget and without the sound budget and without like some of those things you we've come to expect in a feature film it it, it does become very hard to watch it after like 10 minutes Mm, fair enough um so it's hard i don't i don't know i don't know what the future holds man it changes every day it seems to yeah (laughs) no (laughs) um speaking of sound i wonder if you could talk a bit about like uh what goes on post-production wise with the shorts like obviously you talked about you know you being an editor but like it seems like you know a decent amount of color correction and, and sound design goes into even just like the make me a sandwich uh short like i wonder if you could talk a bit about that Totally. Um, so I do the color myself. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And, and honestly, like I attribute deform lunchbox as me getting better at color. Like it's been a great like learning tool for me um, because I'm not really a colorist by trade. Like, no, I, and um, now I feel like I am so much more experienced with color. So just as a side note, like to anyone listening, who's making short films, like it, the experience is, uh, is so valuable. Just like jump, just doing it and learning is probably the biggest, the biggest yeah. lesson you'll take away. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but in terms of actual sound, it, it really depends like on the movie. Um, you know, if we have dialogue, spoken dialogue, sometimes I'll, I'll know we have to hire a sound recordist 
like yeah. with their own gear. Um, sometimes, like for Make Me a Sandwich, we didn't because uh, this he's for most of the he's screaming, right? So if it's loud screams, it's easier to record on just like a my H6N Zoom recorder. Yeah. Uh, and if the other thing is, you know, when, when Marcy walks in the room and she keeps saying, Oh, another sandwich, another sandwich. Uh, we did like 50 takes. So I knew, <laughs> I kind of know when I schedule a movie, like, okay, we don't have a sound recordist. Um, I know now that we'll need to do extra takes to compensate for perhaps bad audio. Oh, okay. Because if That's they say the line, can I make you another sandwich 50 times? Like, I know it's going to be in there. One of those takes, like, sure. Sometimes it's going to scratch. Sometimes the the PA who's operating the, the zoom recorder is not going to let set the levels. Right. But I right. know if we do it enough times, we'll have it. That's interesting. Um, and then we'll record wild lines as well. Like when we're done, we'll have the, the actors just kind of sit and read the script just to have that. So it's kind of like a juggle, right? There's other times where I know like, okay, we have a tighter schedule. We have actors where I don't want to have to like redo their take for sound. Like, like, you know, in a professional set, if you have two actors that are giving a great performance, you can't be like, oh, like that was a really great take, but we have to do it again because the audio recordist. Yeah, like, that's just not how that works. So, on some situations, we do will hire an audio recordist to like make sure we have serene audio. Yeah, no, um, that's fair that's enough. On, that's on set, and then in post, usually the way I do it is I'll do this. I'll do like what I call like the sound design. Yeah, and I just do that right inside of uh, like my editing, so, like Premiere, where I'm editing. Okay, and then. I'll go, I have a mixer friend who's, he's like a talented post-production mixer and like I'll send him, you know, an OMF file with all the channels and he'll do kind of like an EQ mix where he's not necessarily going to go and add sound effects and redesign the sound, but he'll basically come on as like a mixer and basically make sure it's, because I don't have like a a great speaker setup and I don't, I'm not trained on audio. I'm Just a sweetening pass kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's all intuition, and you know the other thing I'll I'll mention, and this might piss some music composers off, <laughs> is that we don't ever go with music composers. No, uh, no, I just got a giant library of stock music, and you guys pieced uh, together that way. Yeah, I mean I use a one, it's called Artlist.io, and it's like royalty free music into perpetuity forever. <laughs> like oh, you nice. Just, so the you literally own. The, I mean, you can't resell the song on its own, but you can. I can resell the movie, and uh, to be honest, like it sounds bad. We don't even credit the musicians a lot of times because <laughs> I have such a giant stock library. I don't even know who the musician is at that point. No, that's fair. I'm sure they made a couple. They made some money off my downloading of their of their song on Artlist, like whatever the deal is for them. But I I always tell people I go, you know, watch out for hiring music composers. Not that they're not talented, but it's just on an indie budget. It's, it's just one of those things where, okay, am I going to hire a musician for, let's say, 300 bucks? Like the lowest I could probably get a, a composer to do it. If that, yeah. If, if that. And it's got to be like a three-minute movie. And then let's say they come back and it's like not what I envisioned. And then it's like, okay, like now we need to change it. Now this, there's more money. It's a conflict. And like it's just such a weird thing to – No, like look, I, I, I see that apprehension for sure. I Personally, I've had like – just the opposite experience as you with composers and I've worked with one like the last couple shorts I've made and the last feature I made and like uh like I just have like a great working relationship with them and like almost everything I get back from them I'm like oh this blew by my expectations you know I might need to get that contact yeah (laughs) I'll I'll hook you (laughs) up with it yeah because I'd love to I'd love to work with a composer I just I guess I always just felt like we didn't have the budget 
And you know, Travis, uh, I, Travis had the same experience uh, as me with her. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, holy shit. <laughs> really? OK. Yeah. No, I, I take your word for it. I, I just um, I think I've had some less ideal experiences in the past. And I guess I guess in my mind to compose music should be I, I don't know. It feels like it should cost more than I can afford. Mm. Like I'll, I'll I will be honest, like I spend money on it. Like it is something that's like a higher end that makes the budget a little more expensive, but I always True. feel like it's like after I get it back, I'm like, it elevates the film all the time. So I've totally. like, okay, money well spent. Like, and there is like often enough comments on it. Well, actually one of the awards we won was for music. So that's great. No, I, I think I will. I think I would love to get that content off. I will um, we'll talk after the show. <laughs> sweet man. Yeah. And even I've, I've always wanted to do it where, I mean, I've never really had this opportunity where I ask, a composer to send me, you know, maybe 10 of their songs that haven't been used. And then I can just listen to those songs and kind of like feel an idea for one. Mm. Uh, I think that'd be a really cool, like almost like doing it like a music video, but a short film. Yeah. Now that's, that's interesting. Do you cut to music or do you bring in music after the fact? Uh, usually it's kind of during, like yeah. I'll kind of sound design as I edit. Um, yeah. The funny thing is if you listen to a lot of our shorts, the music in them like there isn't really a lot of music it's a lot of just kind of like tones yeah, yeah. i find like, like your your sound effects are, are very useful whatever you're doing there like that's like punched up at least well in the mix i think just like it's like there's a lot of just like grossness there's a lot of like earthy grossness at least yeah. in like make me a sandwich or like um the uh speed dating one i think it's called or like five minute yeah, dating five minute dating yeah like that one i'm yeah. like ugh. Yeah. You know what? It's all about that uh, ASMR. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> you know? The ASMR of chewing it really gets pe- gets people. <laughs> yeah, that's a tag um, you guys probably have in your YouTube tagging. Yeah, we. You know what? We should do that actually. <laughs> but, Views uh, go up a lot. I don't know. I, I attribute some of that to James, just because, uh, or the sound, or the sound mixer I work with, because he did a really good job on making a sandwich with like just the chewing noises and. And the, the knitting, like he actually did, like we didn't have any knitting noises and he went into like his, his little booth and he took like knitting uh, crochets out and he was like doing it to the, like he, he really went above and beyond on it. Oh so, man, that's, that's awesome. Uh, it was sound, man. Can't be, can't be understated no, how important that no, is. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, so I have a, just a, a list of questions I ask all the guests and okay. I was going to run you through them as well. Um, we often talk about like, you know, you get asked this question a lot, I'm sure. Like, you know, what uh, what advice would you give other filmmakers or new filmmakers? But I thought I'd turn that on its head a bit and ask, you know, what kind of advice would you have given your former self? Like if you go back in time, young Peter going into film school, what kind of advice would you give him? Um, I would have invested in, uh, I would have sold my Blockbuster stock. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. Yeah, um, no, fair enough. <laughs> I, I probably would have gotten on uh, the social media, like gotten on YouTube a lot sooner, uh, mm. and just seen the value of um, building an audience and sharing content that way. I think back then I really saw it as like a second tier way to release content. Like I was very festival driven and and, the, and getting on big shows and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think just taking, and I think that almost ties into the to the advice factor is um, it's never like it's always good to start building that. Um, in general, I find it doesn't really, it'll just build up. It won't really build down. Yeah. Like even, even if you go a year without releasing anything on your channel, like you'll still somehow get new subscribers. Yeah. 
So I, I think, and I think you touched on this earlier. It's just like the, I think the future is going to be, you know, having your own audience yeah. on online. So I, I often advice I'll tell people is like get out there and start making content, start putting it out there, and start growing your numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just one at a time, even like you know, you yeah. got to start somewhere. Yeah. The other thing I probably would have told myself is to get out of music videos a lot sooner. Really? Why? Uh, because I was big on music videos, like just, I was directing music videos a lot, uh, just out of film school. And I don't know, I just, um, I put a lot of work into them and part of it was a great learning experience and really it taught me to edit and composite and start doing color and, you know, everything on the post side, it got, got me experience. But, um, I just, uh, the advice was given to me, actually. Someone said, you should, you need to get out of music videos. And the moment that I kind of did take that step, like everything in my life changed, um, yeah, it just, it got better. It's a, and it just, it's just like, there's just no money in music videos and, uh, they're just so dime a dozen that no one really notices them that much anymore. That's and true. Yeah. It is hard to get noticed with them. I, I have, I've done like the odd couple and like, I've enjoyed my experiences with them. I, I, never, I haven't done a ton of them, but, uh, I know what you mean. Like it's hard getting noticed with them and you like put all this work into something. You're like, I made something fucking cool and weird. But like, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm now of the opinion if if, uh, you know, if you're one of those filmmakers who's going to put your all into a music video, you should almost treat it like a short film. Mm, that's a good and, point. And almost like not not let it be a commercial for the artist. Like it's like, hey, if I'm going to make this video for free or for cheaper and you're going to get your music advertised, like let's at least let me my vision have some impact on this and not just basically make a commercial for an artist. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I, but other than that, I feel like everything we do, mistake or otherwise, is always a learning experience, right? So it's I kind of like to look at like every mistake or every bad product, project I've gotten involved in. And I li- at least like to think that it helped me get somewhere else, you know? Yeah. No, totally. Well, speaking of that, the next question is uh, we talk a lot about like, you know, success, but uh, if you're comfortable with it, I wonder if you could share a bit of like uh, a failure story and maybe what you learned from it. Failure story and what I learned from it. Um, (laughs) Well, I had a very recently, I have a failure story where uh, a DP I know called me up and he said, Hey, can you edit this music video? And I said, I don't know. I don't know is it an easy to work with artist? Like I told him, I don't really do music videos anymore. Yeah. And he goes, it's a great artist, great artist, great director. So I talked to the director, everything seemed great. It's a nightmare. And I, I I had a little voice in my head saying, don't you, you know, not to do music videos. You shouldn't Mm. do this. You shouldn't do this. And I did it. And now it's a nightmare. And the artist doesn't like the way they look in the video and they're doing reshoots. And, um, I have the DP calling me, telling about his feelings about the video. Like I just, it's a, it's a freaking nightmare. Um, so, uh, I should have listened to my little instinct. Um, but I mean, I think, I don't think, I don't think that's the answer you're looking for, but in terms of like doing my own project, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like even a failure or even like you make a movie and you're like, Oh, it didn't turn out as good as I hoped. You still learn for the next one, you know? Yeah, exactly. That, uh, that inner voice thing that, that tells you don't, um, that's something, at least I know I, it took me a long time to listen to that voice and yeah. like, I've definitely gone down the road of like working on something or doing a project or even a corporate project where things got deep. And like, I was like, I, there's, 
I can't turn back now kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it happens to all of us and I think we're kind of trained in a way to always say yes. Yeah. I know. Um, I, especially freelance, right? You're like, oh, I don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. Yeah. I mean, it's hard cause you'll, you'll say yes during a slow season and then all of a sudden you're having to turn down other work and mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. It's tough. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's good for a while to have that always say yes mentality, like right out of film school. Um, just say yes to everything because even if you're on a nightmare project, you're going to see how to change for your, you're going to like kind of internalize how to, how to do better. Yeah. That's a great um, point. So I, I think, I think there's a time you have to almost reach a point in, in a, in your life as like an, an entrepreneurial filmmaker, like we are, mm-hmm. where you have to learn to kind of start to say no. And yeah. it's very, it's very hard. Yeah. Um, I struggle with that still. I mean, I, I would also say you can say no, or you can also just make the co- like quote so high that it's worth the stress. Mm, yeah, because that's, you're either going to turn turn you down, or you're going to make some good money on it. So mm-hmm. it's like if it's real, like I just I really try to avoid stress in film. I really don't, I don't like stress. No, you know? no. I like fair a, enough. I like on set when everyone's happy, everyone feels good, no one feels like they're they can't wait to go home. Like I. This is a we're, we should be happy to be filmmakers, you know. It's like exactly. such a great, such an awesome thing we get to do. Exactly. Um, magic wand. Uh, what was something you would change about the business? The the whole business or my personal? For business? you personally. For your uh, like your experience with with the film industry, magic wand. You could change anything. Um. That's a good question. Um. I think in general, I wish that, I mean, this is, I, I wish horror was more accepted. <laughs> mm. uh, that's my answer. I think because it seems to me like a lot of people just don't, they just hate it. It's like, you'll hunt, it's a love hate thing. And I feel like it's kind of become this taboo. And um, I think it's I always think, been a taboo. It's always been in the taboo. Yeah, it's thing. always been. A, and, I, and I honestly think that is changing now with like, you know, even shows like American Horror Story and movies like it's doing so incredibly well in the box office. Like, I think we are finally like now entering a time where we're taking this genre seriously. Um, and it's and it's like, you know, even like my, my parents will, they used to kind of treat it like it was a like a smuttier type of movie to make, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Like I'm like I'm making smut. I'm not making anything deep. It's like, oh, why aren't you doing a documentary on, you know, this amazing Olympian or something? It's like, well, right, I want to tell right, a story right, about people right. getting killed. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I find that so, with comedy a bit too. Like people look down on it. But I'm like, you know how hard it is to make strangers laugh? Totally. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's always easier said than done, I think, in film. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, I think that's the major one. I mean, it's hard... It's hard to say what else I would change about it. Maybe it's just, you know, I, I do still feels like a lot of shoots are very, um, I don't know. It, it feels a little, I mean, I, I'm trying not to say anything that'll sound bad, but it <laughs> seems like on some shows there seems to be a disproportional amount of money spent where it's like, you know, I've been on commercials where, you know, the director makes $15,000 a day yeah uh, and that'll be like a three-day commercial and sure like they've earned it whatever but then you have you know some a pa who's like busting their ass and making 250 or 200 bucks a day and doing a 17 hour and you know we know pas they don't get overtime until hour i think 18 kicks in oh wow so i guess i guess if it yeah i guess if it was any major change it would just be more i guess more like uh 
I mean, more like socialist for film, like letting like the, the, the bottom players or the people getting into it and starting off on the bottom maybe can do a little bit better disproportionately to people making more. I, I don't know. No, that's, that's I, I say point. I say that now and, and like, you know, maybe one day it'll change. Maybe one day I'll, I'll think differently. Yeah, maybe. Eh? Um, I guess next, like I get you spoke a bit about maybe wanting to do a, a horror anthology, you know, on, on the channel or, or elsewhere. But uh, I guess what do you want to do next or what do you hope to do next or what's what's on the, on the horizon on the horizon? Um, well, I've got a short I'm shooting in two weeks from today. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, so that one's kind of fast approaching. Um, but I think, yeah, I think with Deform Lunchbox, the project, it's been a, like the last year has been a ton of work. Uh, we've done tons of shorts. It's grown a lot. And I'm kind of at a point now where I'm, I'm feeling like I need to, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm burning out a bit, but it's, it's a lot of work and I'm, I'm kind of like, well, let's do something bigger. Mm, so that I YouTube think, grind is, is hard. I, I know oh, from working God. on a few channels, like that's a hell of a grind on YouTube. It's a, and it's not just YouTube, you know, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's Twitter, yeah. it's, Vim, it's Vimeo. Uh, we have a TikTok. Oh, it's the new <laughs> so shit. it's trying to do all these things. And then at the same time, like you're, you're also trying to like make the movies and plan the next movie and try to like level up to the next big thing. And, you know, uh, making up, trying to like get a website started and all these other things. Uh, and it's like doing it with like basically no investment or no money. Uh, or there's no, team, no I guess behind you. Like it's just you guys doing this, like a, just a handful of views or. I mean, I have a couple, I have like a team I would say, but it, it's very much like, uh, you know, I have a friend on the team and he's like, a, he's like shoot, he's a cinematographer and he, he'll shoot a lot of the movies. But when it comes to, you know, sitting and grinding on YouTube, it's not in his wheelhouse. Right. So that, that's, I find like, it's one thing to be like, Hey, we're a team that makes movies. We have a lot of fun on set every couple of weeks, but then it's like, well, the actual other side of this kind of venture, which is the distribution and the the networking and like the building an audience, like that's just not really what a lot of filmmakers want to do. So no. it's kind of something that I've taken on, and and I think I like it now that we have an audience. And it's like, wow, I've seen that doing that side of it lets these movies get seen and get appreciated. Mm-hmm. But it is it's like just burning me out hard, and you know, um, I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, no, I think we need to start doing some like a different model. And, and like I was saying, like getting a uh, getting like a larger format project off the ground, like an anthology or a web series or a, you know, a feature length project, something that's something's big. Like I'm just, I think we're, I'm, I'm ready to level up, you know, <laughs> that's, um, that's what it'll be called. The level up, the level up. Yeah. And I think the nice thing about doing an anthology is that it'll allow us to have all this content to keep releasing on the channel. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, well, like my goal is to get this, um, you know, hundred, hundred, uh, short, series in production and then we can use these individual shorts to post on the channels the online channels to promote the show okay so i'm hoping that all kind of i'm hoping this thing i'm visioning will actually happen and uh yeah so that's kind of like my goal plan to that's get, awesome uh, man. get these get these out there to more people that's awesome man um so for those listening where can they find you where can they find uh deformed lunchbox or all the other things you do well, you can literally just Google Deform Lunchbox. So uh, that should find you the YouTube and the Facebook and the all the Instagram and everything. We're out there. Um, 
Yeah, that's basically it. I mean, I have a corporate video company. I don't think that's very interesting. <laughs> you want to watch an internal medical videos. Mm, yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> Not as interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely. Ch- the thing I will say, uh, if you're listening, check out D4 Lunchbox and like leave us a comment because I try to respond to lots of comments. If you have questions, I try to give feedback. And we, you know, if you send us a DM or a private message or an email, we will respond. Like we're, we're, um, we like we love to talk to the audience you know what i mean we love to know what you think and the other thing i'll i'll mention is that uh, reaction channels have been a huge huge asset to our channel just seeing other channels react to our short films yeah that's interesting eh yeah and it's it's a kind of a new i'm not somewhat new youtube uh channel style where like people will make these reaction channels and just react to horror short films and it's been, not only has it been good feedback to see, okay, like how are people engaging with our content, but it's also grown our audience uh, a lot. So, I, I mean, some of our reaction videos have, have more more views than our entire channel has. That's great, man. So I'll, I'll tell everybody, yeah, like if you want to react to our video, we totally encourage it. Like we totally encourage you to watch our movie, record your reaction, show us your reaction. Like we love that stuff. So yeah, eh? please, please engage with us. Yeah, we love it. Man, that's awesome. Well, Pete, I thoroughly enjoyed having you on the show. Um, I love learning just about people's methods, their philosophy behind making stuff, and I love just talking to people that make stuff. And better yet, I, I, I love like just the idea like, you know, we worked together years ago and you know, I consider myself pretty young in the business back then, and I'm sure you did too. And it's it's just cool seeing people progress, get better make stuff and like make stuff that like I personally really dig. It's like, it's awesome seeing, seeing people graduate to that. So again, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey man, the pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me. Like I, I, uh, I, that's like, it's been an honor. Like, thank you very much. It's been a fun chat. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, check out deformed lunchbox, check out, uh, their shorts. I would highly recommend starting with make me a sandwich and then going from there. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on the show and, uh, we'll be back soon with, uh, another podcast. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and be sure to follow us on Twitter at lost commentary on Instagram at Raiders of the lost commentary and like us on Facebook. I'll be back.